God bless all of you. Good to see you today. You ready for the Word of God? Amen. You know, the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces the division of your spirit and your soul, bone and marrow. And by it, it discerns the true intentions of the heart. You see, if you're not in the Word of God, reading it, hearing it, studying it, you don't really know who you are and what's wrong or what's right with you. That's why we need the Word of God. We need to pour into it. We need to read it and study it, love it. You know, today we're going to talk about the prophet Elisha. And Elisha had an amazing encounter that we're going to talk about in terms of the context of he was surrounded, he was overwhelmed, but he didn't fret and he didn't worry. Anybody ever been overwhelmed? Come on, really? Only like four people have been overwhelmed in your lifetime? Let's try this one more time. You're standing before God, God asks this question. Have you ever been overwhelmed or filled with anxiety? Just raise your hand. Look, there's three or four people, not me. All right. I wanna to talk to you about some of your problems. You know, the problems that you have in life are matched with your potential. You think the problem is too big for you. No, you are capable and matched to that problem. And as you begin to apply yourself to that problem, you'll understand that your potential will go up. Your problems ultimately are solved in eternity, but they're revealed right now in time and space. You see, ultimately, God is God. Now, sometimes we live our life like we're God, and then we get overwhelmed. We go, I think I'm not God. I need God. But remember, if you will keep this in mind that God is ultimately on your side, and you're never alone. You might feel alone. You might act like you're alone, but you're never alone. And then problems you solve reveal the rewards you will receive. You realize that problems come into your life or in society in order for us to solve them and reveal and receive rewards from heaven. See, I really believe that the problems that this generation, and I speak of everyone who is alive in this generation, they are given to us as an opportunity and a test. We have to solve the problems of our generation. Whether that problem happens to be COVID, whether it happens to be riots, whether it happens to be the economy, whatever it is, we have the capacity to solve the problems of our generation. The question is, will we? Not can we, will we? So when you think about God, I want you to think this, keep this thought in mind. God reveals your future one step at a time. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to know the future a little bit further than one step at a time. Or would I? Maybe if I saw too much into the future, I wouldn't enjoy the future so much. There's a reason why Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Because you can handle one day at a time, but you can't handle six months or a year at a time. 
Do you realize when, when we project out and we think about what I'm going to do in the next year, do you realize we have no idea what's coming? Good, bad, or indifferent. We have no idea what's coming down the road. But if we face it in faith and the power of God every single day, knowing that God is revealing the future one day at a time, solve that problem, go to the next day, solve that problem, keep doing that over and over again. Let's go to the scripture, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. You see how problems arise in this generation? Their generation had the same thing going on. And he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God, now this is Elisha, sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and he said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he suspected a spy was in his own army, his own kingdom. And one of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel. Now look what's happening here. Here's over here the king of Syria plotting evil against Israel, and God is downloading to the prophet Elisha all the strategic battle plans of the king of Syria. And he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. That'll make you double think, amen? So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, he is surely in Dothan. So the king reasons to himself, if we know where he is, we're going to go kill him, and we're going to end this strategic upheaval that's happening in my kingdom. But what we need to understand is God is a revealer God. If you've ever been in the dark, God can show you light. If you've ever had needed wisdom, God can show you wisdom. You see, God is a revealer God. If you understand that principle, you were given the Holy Spirit of God in order that you might be enlightened in life, in order that you might not walk alone, but walk with wisdom and power and understanding. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, the scripture says this, surely the Lord our God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. You see how God works? So we're reading one of the prophets now. We're reading about Elisha. We're, we're reading a scripture from the book of Amos. And he's telling us this, that God is a revealer God and God is showing things in the prophets that you might understand life and you might be successful in your life. You can face the problems with strength. The other truth is this, that's, that we are supposed to search out the deep things of God. Now there are some things that aren't the deep things of God. They're just on the surface. They're very easy to see and understand and to grab. Like we can say, well, Jesus loves me. That's pretty, pretty basic. I don't know why he loves me sometimes, but he loves me. But we can also go deeper with God. You see, there is no end to the depth of God. And God has given you full access through his word and by his spirit to understand the deeper things of God. For example, when Jesus was speaking, he talked about the bread, and we talked about bread of life. And so on one hand, we understand bread, this physical substance that we eat. But then he said, I am the bread of heaven. And he went one notch deeper, didn't he? 
He said, you know about bread of earth, but I am the bread of heaven that comes from above and comes to earth. And he was saying this because he was teaching a deeper truth. God became man and born in the likeness of man, died on the cross. God died and rose again that we might have eternal life. This is one of the deeper things of God. But that's just the beginning of the surface of it. We can keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me show you a scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I has not seen nor has ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, let's just pause right there and let me comment. You can think all the great things you can about what God has prepared for you, and you're never going to fully realize it. Why? Because God is so much bigger than your thoughts. Isn't that good news? Have you ever heard people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God a few things? No, you won't. And I have scripture to tell you why you won't. The Bible says we will know as we have been known. Do you realize in eternity you're instantly going to know everything you've had a question about? And also, do you really think God is worried about your questions and is going to schedule his time in eternity for you to sit down and do a one-on-one question and answer with him? He doesn't need to do that if he's revealed all things to you in eternity. You will know as you have been known. So everything that God knows about you now, you're going to know about you. That's enlightening. Not very comforting, amen? But now look what it says. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. So what it's saying here is there's things you don't know about your future in the kingdom. There are things you don't know about you, but God is going to, whatever God is releasing, he's going to release by his spirit into your spirit. See, you have a human spirit that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Your human spirit is what makes you distinctive from the animal world. That and you were created in the image of God. But that that human spirit has the ability to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and that means, that's what happens at salvation, and it says you were quickened alive. That means you were brought to life by his Holy Spirit, and then you began to see things little at a time and more and more from God's perspective. And this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to have the mind of Christ, that you get, you're operating in a natural world as a supernaturally enlightened human being. This is fascinating, isn't it? And it says, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He goes on a, a search uh, process of just looking into the deep things of God and then revealing them to you as you're willing to listen to them, as you're willing to receive them. See, God will give you as much as you want to receive. If you say, hey, I'm content, I'm fine, then God says, okay, I'll back off. But if you say, I... I really want to get into the deep things of God. Then start reading the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you as you read. Let me show you another scripture, Proverbs 25 and verse 2. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. You see, God conceals things from those who are not interested. But he reveals things to those who are. And it goes on to say this, but the glory of a king is to search out a matter. So you have to determine, in God's kingdom, are you going to be a king, a prince, or a pauper? 
God's content. God loves you either way. But you see, when you, when you don't search out a thing, I mean, think about the great things of the, of the world that we put value in. You have to search them out. Gold, you have to search it out. You have to dig it out of the ground. Or diamonds, you have to dig them out of the ground. Or oil, you have to drill into the depths of the earth to get oil out. And so it's the same thing with the word of God. It's the glory of God. God says, I'm going to conceal some things. And those people that really want to know this, great example is Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus is speaking in parables, and they'd never heard him speak in parables before, first time. He speaks seven kingdom parables, and they're so confused by why he's using parables. And he said, why do you speak to us in parables? Now listen carefully what he says. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of God, but to them it is not. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to give you some insights. You're going to understand them by parables, and those without the mind of Christ are going to go, what is that? I don't even know what you're talking about here. I don't know about you, but it makes me hungry. Last week, I told you that I liked a nice, big, juicy steak. I, I got one gift certificate. I thank you for that. God bless you. Don't you want some juicy steak from the Word of God? Just get in the Word. You know, there's nothing more fun than when you hear somebody say, hey, I was reading the Word of God, and I found this. Like it was lost. Like no one's ever seen it before. And in truth, it may be that no one's ever seen it before because the application that goes right to you is unique. You see, here's another thing. God is zealous for your future. God is excited about your future. Satan hates your future. God loves your future. He's excited about your future. Satan says, I know their future. I got to stop them from walking into their future because their future is bad news for me. Why do you think you get discouraged? Why do you think you fall into a pattern of hopelessness? It's because the enemy knows your potential and he wants to stop it before you get any further. You see, you weren't created for time. You're created for eternity, and everything you do in time is preparing you for eternity. Faith is refined in the battle. Now, if I had had a show of hands, how many of you like the battle? Very few hands should go up. But you also know in the battle, something happens to you that doesn't happen to you outside of the battle. Amen? So on one hand, we love it. On the other hand, we hate it. And we live in this duality of trying to navigate between, gosh, this is so good for me, and boy, do I ever hate it. Amen? All right, let's look at the scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6. Verse 14, therefore, this is the king, remember, the king of Syria. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. This is to Dothan. And he came by night and surrounded the city. So when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, whenever you're overwhelmed with a problem, you usually ask that question. What am I going to do? Wrong question. Right question is, what is God going to do? It's a totally different question, isn't it? One relies on me. The other relies on God. 
It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't have a part in solving the problem with God in a partnership, but it, it, what it means is I want to get this back to where it really belongs. God, I can't do this. Can you do this for me? Can you show me how to do this? Can you empower me for this? God, I need you to work in my life. So he's surrounded by this great army. He goes back inside. He tells Elijah the prophet, hey, we've got, I got some bad news for you. There's an army out there. And Elisha just kind of acts like, yeah, okay. He's like totally not moved by it. It's like Jesus when he falls asleep in the middle of the storm and it says the disciples were afraid. Do you remember this? They were afraid. He'd already promised them they were going to the other side, but they're afraid, and they wake Jesus up. you got to wake Jesus up in the middle of a storm. They wake him up, and he looks around. You know, you can almost see him. You know, he's, he's a man, and, and, but fully God. A little groggy, you know, he kind of, you know, wipes the sand out of his eyes, and he looks at the waves, and he says, be still, and then lays back down. And the disciples are going, oh, my goodness. Who's in the boat? You see, there's one thing that's more fearful than a storm and you think you're going to die in. It's when God's in your boat and he manifests himself. And then it says they were very afraid. They were afraid of the storm. They were very afraid when they realized who was in the boat. You see, you need to design your future. Now listen, design your life around your future and not your past. Now, I mean this in a success or a failure sense of the word. You can take your life and you try to design your life today or tomorrow around either your success or your failure yesterday. That doesn't work. This is a new day. Every day is a new day. Remember, God reveals things one day at a time. What worked yesterday may not work today. What brought you satisfaction yesterday may not bring you satisfaction today. What you have to say to God is, God, I need to know what is my today word so that I can thrive today and moving into tomorrow. And I'm not going to let my success or failure of yesterday hamper me from today. Because some of you had great success in the past and you keep going back to that glory day that's never coming back. Or you had great failure and you feel shame and, 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 and hurt and pain from the past. And guess what? That's yesterday. That pain, that shame, everything else is gone. The Bible is a, says that God is a healer God. He's a restorer God. He brings all things new. God loves you and God, God takes everything that you've messed up in the past and he leaves it in the past. The only people going to bring it up are going to be your neighbor, your, your spouse, your friend, or you. God ain't bringing it up. God says, I got too much going on in my world to worry about your past. We got to work on today. You think yesterday was a problem. You got a problem today. Hello? Amen? Your future expands according to your faith. What's your future going to look like? What's your faith look like? Tell me what you're believing God for, and I'll tell you what tomorrow looks like. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm on track here, right? You see, the only thing that God kind of, Jesus ever really kind of criticized the disciples for was a lack of faith. It wasn't because they, he didn't say, look, you guys are just not intelligent. <laughs> they were a bunch of fishermen and carpenters. They, they didn't have a PhD. He didn't need a PhD. He just needed faith. 
Just need faith. Why do you think he put him in so many situations where they needed faith? Have you ever noticed how many times Jesus, like, healed, touched lepers when he was, you're not supposed to touch lepers? Why did he do that? Because they were so fearful of leprosy spreading that they thought if you touched them or even got close to them or the shadow fell on you, you would get leprosy. So what does he do? Goes up, puts, a, puts his hand on the leper, he said, just be clean. It's just faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are you diligently seeking God? You see, you can't let God be your hobby. Other things be your hobby. Don't let God be your hobby. Let God be your obsession. Amen? I mean, live in the power and the anointing and the authority of God Almighty. All right, now watch this. You have to release the resources of heaven. I thought God did that. No, you do that. How? By faith, by asking, by expecting. 2 Kings chapter 6. So here's what Elisha says to, to the servant who says, we're in trouble. Uh, do not fear. You ever anybody tell you that? And you say, that's good for you because you're not in my situation. If you were in my situation, you'd be afraid too. But isn't it a good advice, don't fear? What good does fear ever do you? It never brings value to you. You never go like, I am so happy that I'm filled with fear today. It's just I feel fulfilled, and, and I want to tell everybody about my fear so they can be afraid too. It doesn't bring any value to you. So he says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the servant's sitting in the little hut probably. He's looking around. It's got me and Elisha. There's more of us than them. Elisha, I don't think you've done accounting lately. Because we got a problem. The entire city is surrounded. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. You see, when you can see into the supernatural realm, you won't fear anything. The word of God, the spirit of God is what allows you to see into the supernatural realm. Then the Lord opened his eyes, that of the serpent and the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do you realize right now we're surrounded by a great angelic army that is for us? Greater are those, you see, we have more than they do. There's more success for you than there is outside of God. So you wanna walk in the power of God. You see, fear is a spirit as well as an emotion. People say, I'm afraid. All right, well, do you realize that it might be an emotion? It might be what you're feeding into your brain. You know, like, well, do you watch horror films? Yeah, well, then you, you, you're just fertilizing fear. I don't watch horror films. People say, don't you like to be scared? No, why would anybody want to be scared? But here's more why. It's not only an emotion, it's a spirit. It's an evil spirit. Fear does not come from God, so if you have fear, then what, who's, where's it coming from? It ain't coming from God. You say, well, it's coming from Hollywood. Whoa, I'm sure they're consulting God for the movie. Look what it says, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Power, okay, love, a sound mind. You can't operate with love and power 
and a sound mind if you're living in fear. Because it's all consuming. Fear is all consuming. I'm afraid I'm going to do this. I'm afraid I'm going to do that. And every time you say it, you're reinforcing in your life what's going on. The Spirit goes, oh, I got them now. They're, they keep saying they're afraid. I'm pouring on some evil spirits right now. You bring stuff on you, you know, right? Satan has no authority over you except that which you give him. When you yield up authority or place in your life to him, then he takes advantage of it. Psalm, listen to this. God has stationed angels on your behalf. Really? Yeah. Is that like a guardian angel? With some kind of angel, because the Bible's filled with angel stories. Let me give you one. Psalm 91, verse 11. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So not only do you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, the Word of God, but you also have angelic beings who are watching and protecting over you. How about this one, Hebrews 1.14. Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. It's a great story of John G. Patton. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. This is back in the 1800s. And missions, you can only imagine, was, was pretty tough. In fact, he said within the first two months, the other two missionary families had died from, from disease, and he had to sleep on the graves to keep the cannibals on the island from digging up the bodies. Now imagine, this is the world he's living in. They said when John Patton went to the New Hebrides, there were no Christians, and when he left, there were no pagans. One night, they were surrounded by some of the angry natives who were going to kill them and burn their hut down. And he said, me and my wife and I, we prayed fervently that night for supernatural protection. And shortly after that, after a couple hours of prayer, everyone disappeared, all the, all the, the natives disappeared. Years later, the chief of that tribe was converted to Christ. And he asked him, why didn't you attack that, that night? And they said, we didn't attack because of the men that were surrounding your hut. John said, there were no men surrounding our hut. The chief said, yes, there were. We saw hundreds of men with bright, shining garments standing before your hut with swords drawn, ready to protect you, and we didn't dare invade. That's what I'm talking about. That's the power of God. That's what God is about. Now, let me give you a couple more thoughts. When you replay the past... You poison your future. When you replay the past, you poison your future. You're going over your head. Oh, oh, my past. All the bad, all the things that could have been. Saddest words of tongue or pen or what might have been. You got today. What are you going to do with today? You got God today. You got life today. What are you going to do with today? And then... Open your eyes to the miracles that God wants to give you. You realize that God wants to. He's just, you're keeping him from it. He's going, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, quit doing and start trusting. Amen? I have never felt closer to God when I was complaining. I never go like, I just, when I'm complaining, I just, God just shows up. No, I just feel helpless and, and weak and without but if I say, God, I believe you're a God of miracles, and I need one. 
You might need more than one. But you say, God, I need a miracle in my life. I need a miracle in my family. I need a miracle in my business. I need a miracle in my school. I need a miracle in my neighborhood. I need a miracle, God, and you promise, and I expect a miracle. So I'm going to open my eyes to the miracles of God. I'm going to stop trusting Phil, start trusting you. I'm going to let you open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing beyond which we could ever hold, which we could ever understand, because God is going to do greater in you than you could ever imagine. And it's according to the power that works within you. That's how God works. We're in a partnership with God. Isn't like God's up there and he goes, you know, like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not feeling it today. I don't know if I'm in the blessing mood today. I think I'm really, you know, like the tight-fisted, nobody gets nothing today. I'm just upset. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. The God who loved you yesterday is God who loves you today. Amen? The God who pours out his blessings yesterday pours them out today. Just expect a miracle from the hand of Almighty God. Amen? All right, now I want you to stand with me right now. I'm gonna, I want to pray over you right now, and I want to pray that your eyes are open to the, to the power and the miracles of God in your life. Father, I pray right now that you would just take away every hesitation to trust you, take away every fear, and in the place of that, see that you're a God who is a rewarder God, a rich and a loving God, a powerful God, who rewards those who diligently seek him. So God, open the eyes to everyone in this room. Let us see, Father, the miracles of God that are in the wings. Let us not hold back on our faith, but let's push forward in faith. Let's see miracles happen on a daily basis, on a regular basis in this church, in our homes, in every individual life. And God, we want to just receive that. Can you say, I receive that? In Jesus' name, I receive that. 